Well, hey, good morning, guys. Happy Labor Day to you. Hey, Gilbert, happy Labor Day to you as well. <laughs> hey, let's try that again. Ready? Hey, guys, happy Labor Day to you. But, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you guys here as we uh, celebrate this uh, weekend. It is all about work and getting things done. But what I want to talk to you about today is what keeps us oftentimes from working and being as effective as what God would have us to be. You see, I think that we're going to talk about one of the most dangerous words today in all of human language. And I put it there on your outline for you. It is simply this. That dangerous word is the word someday. So many people are living for someday. They say, well, you know, someday I'm going to, I'm going to get in shape. Someday I'm going to go on that diet. Someday I'm going to start to exercise. Someday I'm going to get my anger problem under control. Someday I'm going to learn to play a musical instrument. Someday I'm going to get my finances where my finances need to be. People are living for this sort of mystical someday that's out there. Someday, they say, when I graduate, I'm going to fill in the blank. Someday when I get a job, then I'll be able to. Someday when I get married. Someday when we have kids. Someday when the kids get out of the house. Someday when... I retire, then we're going to be able to. People are living for someday. The problem is, for many people, someday never comes. People think, someday I'm going to stop waiting and I'm really going to start living. But then that day just simply never comes. And so what I want to talk to you about today is we have got to live in the now. We've got to see every single moment as this precious gift that God has given us. Whether it's a big moment or it's a small moment, every single moment is something that we've got to maximize and, and, and fully live out. We can't live for this someday. Lisa and I, through the years, we've called it someday honey syndrome. Because you hear this in marriages all the time, right? That, well, someday, honey, well, someday, honey, we're going to... Actually, she just did that to me yesterday. I was like, don't you someday honey me... Now, more commonly, this someday syndrome is called what? Procrastination, right? And so we can level sort of the playing field here this morning. I, I want to do a little survey. Raise your hand if you've ever like had a project that you knew you should be doing, whether at work or school, but you sort of put off on it, or there was a phone call or an email you're supposed to make, and you sort of put off on doing that, or you didn't go to the doctor because you're afraid maybe the doctor actually was going to tell you bad news. How many of you have done that, right? Yeah. How about this? How many of you have ever waited to go Christmas shopping until December 24th? Or you waited until April 15th to fill out your tax returns? Is there anybody here this morning that you're intending on procrastinating, but you're even procrastinating on that? <laughs> all right. Again, what I wanted you to see is this is something that affects all of us. Every single one of us has procrastinated in some way at, at some point. So I want to talk to you about this this morning, and, and you know, I think, I, I think it was a very awesome definition that I came up with procrastination this morning as I started getting this message ready. <laughs> Seth, Seth got that. Yeah, okay, the rest of you think about that, yeah. <laughs> procrastination is this. Procrastination, the one your outline there, is the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Again, procrastination is the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. 
See, it's possible to be really, really busy, but yet still be a procrastinator. Sort of like the kamikaze pilot that flew 17 missions. Yeah, that's, that's one of those like joke grenades you throw it out, you wait three seconds, and it's like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> really busy. He's flying a lot of missions. He's just not doing what needed to be done when it needed to be done. And see, what happens with procrastination is it, it robs you of life right now. It makes you like anxious about the past. It makes you anxious about the future. And we can't do that. We have got to learn to live right now. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at why do people procrastinate, and then we're going to look at some solutions for how not to procrastinate anymore. Because here's the shocking truth about procrastination. It is actually a very sneaky, subtle way of saying no to God's will for your life. You're not like blatantly saying, no, God, I'm not going to do your will. But it is, it's this very sneaky way of saying no to God. And here's what Jesus' brother, a guy by the name of James, had to say. And by the way, I have said this to you before, but, but think about this. If, if, if the whole Bible thing, Jesus and, you know, all that, think about this. Jesus' brother, James, wasn't a follower of Jesus until after Jesus rose again from the dead. Because remember, Jesus kept walking around going, I'm God. You can kill me. I'll come back to life. I mean, he's making all these claims. And James, like, was going, yeah, right. I mean, you're my brother. When he comes back to life... Then he's like, okay, <laughs> and, and isn't that what it would take for your brother or your sister to convince you that they were God? They'd have to come back to life. And so here, here's James, this, this great follower of Jesus, and, and here's what he has to say in James chapter 4, verse 17. He says, he who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, sins. He who knows the good that he ought to do but does not do it, sins. Have you ever known the right thing to do but you didn't do it? James says, look, this is pretty serious stuff because you're actually saying no to God's will for your life. You're, you're actually sinning against God. It's robbing you of life. And so again, what I want to do here is I want to look at how do we not say no anymore? How do we stop procrastinating? But let's start with why do we procrastinate? There's, I think, five different sort of personality types that procrastinate. So if you're taking notes here this morning, the first one is this. It's the perfectionist. And to be honest, this one's me. The perfectionist procrastinator is the one that says, well, we can't start until all the conditions are just perfect. Or once you're involved in a project, you don't let the project go because it's not done yet. And so you keep putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off. But here's what Scripture says. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You know what sort of helped me through the years to sort of, I'm still perfectionist, but I, I'm getting better, uh, to get better is to try to deliberately make mistakes every single day. Intentionally make a mistake every single day, just so I don't have to have everything just perfect. So like when you're taking like the, the stuff out of the dishwasher, put the fork in the spoon holder thing, right? Just put it in the wrong tray. Now some of you are, some of you are like OCD, right? You're like, oh, okay, right? Uh, drop it on the floor, she says. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I, I don't know. That, that may be taking a little bit too far, man. But, uh, you know, <laughs> just being honest, you know. <laughs> just try to get out of that perfectionist type thing. But here's the question you need to ask yourself. 
Do I put off doing tasks until I can do them perfect or until I can find the perfect time to do them? If that's you, notice I put a, a place for check marks there. Go ahead and check that box if that's you, if you can answer yes to that. Do I put off doing tasks until I can do them perfect or until I can find the perfect time to do them? Number two, then, is the dreamer. Dreamers, they, they think a big game, they talk a big game, everything is like grandiose, you know, and it's like out there. And, and dreamers, they, they want to do stuff, and they would if it didn't involve so many details. I mean, if you think about a dreamer, the, the dreamer is the one that like, they would be happy to balance their checkbook if it didn't involve math. And so what, what do dreamers do? They just keep procrastinating and procrastinating. They know they should do it, but they're not doing it, and they keep putting it off, putting it off. And finally, their checkbook is just so messed up that they're like, let's just close the account at that bank and open up a new one and another one. That's their solution to it. And so, uh, again, many people are these, these dreamers, and they, they end up having good intentions, and they think about actually doing it. They just don't actually do it. So here's the question. Do I think too much about things that I'd like to do, but I often don't get around to doing them? If you answered yes to that, put a check mark there in the box. Number three, the crisis maker. This is the person that isn't motivated to do a task until it becomes a crisis. Now, quite frankly, these are fun people to hang out with because everything is an adventure to them. Right? It's not until the 11th hour that their, their adrenaline starts to pump and they're like, okay, now we can, let's go with this. I mean, they make everything into like this grand adventure. It's like, let's give the train a head start, right? Let's, uh, let's do an all-nighter, you know, wait till the last minute to pull out the project just so we can say that we did it. It's a challenge for them, but it can also be a major crisis. Key question here, do I put off doing what needs to be done until a crisis develops? If that's you, go ahead and check that in the box. Number four, then, is the rebel. The rebel. This is the person that wants to buck the rules. They say, who in the world does the government think they are? Tell me I have to have my taxes done by April 15th. I'll show them. And so they procrastinate as a form of this rebellion and the, to show that they're in authority. They're asserting their independence. They're like, I'm unique. I'm in my own category. I don't have to follow the rules. I'll get around to it when I feel like getting around to it. Question here. Do I ever think that I'm special and therefore I shouldn't have to do things that other people have to do when they have to do it? That's you. Put a check there in the box. Number five, then, is the overdoer. The overdoers are people who take on way too many things. Overdoers are unable and unwilling to establish priorities and stick to goals and say no to other people. And they end up with this really, really long to-do list, like lots of stuff that needs to be done. But then they are procrastinating. They don't actually get any of it done when it needs to be done because there's just too much stuff there. It's just there. You know, and, and here's the thing. These overdoers, it's pretty funny because like, there's like 15 things that are on the list that they have to do, and there's the one thing that needs to be done now, but all of a sudden, the other 14 look uh, irresistible, but what is our definition of procrastination? Because again, an overdoer, it looks like they're really busy, but what was our definition? It's doing what? What needs to be done when it needs to be done. So that's why it is possible to be a really, really busy person but also be a procrastinator at the same time. So here's the, the question. Do I commit myself to so many things that I can't find time for all of them, or at least for a significant number of them? All right, now, how many of you checked at least one box? Two boxes or more? Three boxes or more? Up still a couple hands. Four boxes or more? Up still some hands. 
who got a perfect score? It, my dad had his hand up, and that explains a lot. But anyway. <laughs> Actually, you know what? He, he's, he's probably the overdoer out of most of them because he does a lot of stuff. <laughs> so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what his thing is. I don't know. I'm not here to be his Holy Spirit, right? I got to be my own. <laughs> Here's the thing, this, this thing of procrastination, it's wired up deeply in all of us, and we sort of think that the motivational fairy is going to come and drop some motivational dust on us and we're going to get things done, but it doesn't work that way. We have to be much more intentional about it than that. So if you're taking notes, let's look at four tips of how to overcome procrastination. The first one is this, I must stop excusing my behavior. So many people just rationalize their procrastination. They're like, well, that's just the way I am always been that way. I'm always going to be that. It's like they think there's a procrastination gene that they got or something. But listen, it's not the way you are. It's actually the way you choose to be. If you're procrastinating, it's because you're choosing to procrastinate. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13 says this. Because, you know, a, a lot of times it's not because we don't want to do things, just we're too lazy, right? And so here's what Scripture says. The lazy person is full of excuses and says, I can't go outside because there might be a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure that there's a lion out there. Now try that one on your boss tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, I really wanted to come in and take care of that project you've been wanting me to do, but I can't come in because, you know, the whole lion thing going on in Harrisburg right now, you know, it's, it's, it's not... Look, this is why I love the Bible. God knew that we would come up with excuses for our laziness. And so God's just sort of mocking us in some ways, making fun of us a little bit. But look, you can't just keep coming up with excuses. Get up off your butt and do something. Can't excuse your behavior. Again, realize that you are responsible for your time. You're responsible for your actions. And so you've got to ask God to, to help you not to have excuses anymore. Not to be lazy anymore, to actually do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Number two, I must start today. Or as Nike would say, just do it. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He says, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. Look, here's the thing. You're not even guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know that you have tomorrow. And so that's why you can't just keep saying, well, someday we're going to. Because you don't know that there's going to be another day for you. So you've got to do it now. You need to do it today. And you see this so often that, that people know that I should do this today, but oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next month. And then you never actually end up doing it. In fact, this reminds me of a, this is a true story. Read it in the LA Times. Um, I don't know, 10 years ago or so probably. Guy goes home for his 20th class reunion, and he's there at his, you know, boyhood home, and his parents had, you know, taken his room and turned it into, you know, whatever parents do to your room after you leave. You know how it is, right? And so it's like this new thing, and, but all of his stuff is up in the attic. And so he goes up into the attic while he's there, and he's gone through some of his old stuff, and he finds his varsity jacket. And so he puts it on to see if it still fits, and as he's doing that, he put his hand in the pocket, and he found a receipt. And he's like, Oh my goodness, I'd forgotten all about this. He had dropped off a pair of shoes 20 years earlier to a shoe repair shop and had forgotten to go and get it. And so just on a whim, he's like, I'm going to like drive and see if this 
repair shop is still in existence and still there. And so he drives there, and sure enough, there's the shop. And so he walks through the door, and much to his surprise, he recognizes the guy behind the counter. It's the exact same guy that had waited on him 20 years before. He just assumed it must be the owner of the shop. And so he thinks, you know what, I'm not even going to tell him the story of what happened here. And so he just walks up and he hands the guy the receipt. The guy takes the receipt, he goes in the back room, he's there for a couple minutes, he comes back out and he says, they'll be ready on Friday. <laughs> True story. True story. That's why we need to do it now. Because again, we say, someday I will get to that. But then... All of a sudden, a week goes by, and a month goes by, a year goes by, and next thing you know, it's 20 years later, and you still haven't done what needed to be done when it needed to be done. So what is it for you? What is that project at work or at school? Or what is the financial task that you know you need to do? What is it, the, the thing at, at work maybe that you've been uh, just putting off? Maybe it's a spiritual thing for you. You know, some of you have been saying for years that, you know, someday I'm really going to get in the habit of every day reading my Bible or every day getting in the prayer. Or, you know, I'm going to get in the habit of every single week I'm going to be at church. Someday. I'm saying do it today. Don't wait. Do it right now. And I know it's going to be overwhelming for you in some ways, so break it into little small, simple steps. You know, it's this big project, and the reason you've been putting off is because it's a big project. Well, what's one thing you can do today that will just be a next step towards that project? Whatever it is, do it. You're like, I don't feel like doing it. Well, guess what? You're never going to feel like doing it. We've talked about this in the past. Feelings oftentimes follow action. See, a lot of times we want to feel motivated, then we'll do something, but that's not the way it works. How many of you ever feel motivated to clean your house? Nobody. But if you'll just simply say, you know what, I don't feel motivated to clean the whole house. I don't even feel motivated to clean the whole living room, but I'm just going to go over and clean the little coffee table here. What happens is oftentimes as you start to clean that coffee table, what happens? You're like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm going to do a little bit more. And then you do a little bit more. Next thing you know, you've cleaned the whole living room. You've cleaned the whole house. So again, feelings often follow action, not the other way around. So whatever it is that God is calling you to do here today, do something about it today, today. Number three, I must prioritize my life. You have got to sit down and decide what matters to you. What things do you value? You know, what is the things that when people look at your life, you want them to say, oh, that's what really matters. What are the things that if we were able to look at your checkbook and look at your calendar, people would say, oh, okay, based on how they spend their time, how they spend their money, those are the things that matter to them. What are those things? What do you want those things to be? You have got to prioritize your life because here's what happens. Life gets so busy, so hectic, it's like this whole whirlwind of activity that has to happen. And oftentimes what becomes the thing that we neglect is the things that we say are actually most important. And so we say family's important, that God is important, church is important, you know, things that, it, you know, a project at work, whatever, that you say it's really, really important. But then all of a sudden life happens. And you're like, well, my family's always there. I'll spend time with them tomorrow, someday. But then you say the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day, and all of a sudden you've neglected your family or you're neglecting your relationship with Jesus or you're neglecting, you know, the things that you say are really important to you. So you've got to sit down and say, what really matters? 
and then prioritize your life and start living your life with a laser-like focus that these are the things I'm going to concentrate on. Because again, if you don't, all of a sudden, you're going to get so caught up in life that you're going to violate the very things that you say are important. A couple weeks ago, we were leaving here on a Sunday morning, and we were going out to lunch, and we were up on Route 22, and Lisa was in her car, and I was behind her. My parents were behind me, and then Bill and Megan were in the car behind that, and Lisa's car broke down. And so thankfully, since we had you know, a whole chain of cars there. We all jump out of our cars, and we're like pushing Lisa's car, you know, into the, the parking lot. Well, as we were doing that, a couple of cars, they didn't realize what was going on, you know, and we're in a, at a traffic light there. They were like hitting the horn and stuff, and it reminded me of a story I heard a couple years ago of a lady. Same thing happened that her car broke down in the red light, and uh, turns green. She starts to go, and it, does, it won't go, and so she's trying to get it to start, and it won't start, and the guy behind, he's beeping the horn, and it was a summer day. Next thing she knows, she hears him cussing and ranting and raving, you know, and stuff, and she's trying to get it started, and she's, you know, nothing's happening, and he's hitting the horn. So finally, she gets out of the car, and she goes back to his car, and she says, sir, I'm so sorry, but my car broke down. But I'll make an agreement with you. If you'll go up and try to get it started, I'll stay back here and lay on your horn for you. <laughs> and see, I, I bet in that moment that guy realized that, you know what? yelling and screaming and being on my horn, that is violating who I am and the things that I value. But yet he was in such a hurry, he was in such a rush that he violated those things. And so we've got to be, again, very, very careful in our own lives not to violate what we say is important. USA Today a couple years ago had an article where they asked experts in various fields of not to be a superstar, but just to be average in your field, how much time should we spend per day? So they like asked a, a sleep expert, how much sleep should the average person get? They asked people that you know, are into exercise and fitness, you know, how much time should the average person spend in exercise per day? And they asked like, a marriage expert, how much time should you spend with your spouse? And they asked a, a child-rearing uh, expert, you know, how much time should you spend with your kids? And they just went through all these various aspects of life. You know what they found that we would need just to be average just to be average, it would take you 36 hours a day. Now, last time I checked, we don't have 36 hours in a day. And what I'm trying to say to you is the world is going to tell you this is what's important. That you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this. Here's what I want to say to you. You have got to be who God has called you to be. So you need to sit down with God's word, read it, study it, find out what your purpose is in life, what values God wants you to have, and prioritize. And then no matter what the world says, you have got to be obedient to Jesus, not Dr. Phil and, you know, Oprah and all those people. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 6, 23. He says, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, and then all of your other needs will be met as well. We've always got to put what Jesus wants in our lives first, not what we want not what our spouse wants, not what our uh, family members want, not what our coworkers want, anybody else what they want. What is Jesus calling me to do with my life according to his word? And then again, live with a laser-like focus. Because if we don't stick to our values, life is just going to float by. Number four then, I've got to realize that life is short. James and Job both said it this way, that life is but a vapor. And then in Psalm chapter 90, verses 5 and 6, the psalmist is writing about the, the shortness of life. And he says, 
and he's talking about God. He says, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and it's withered. What he's saying is life is short. And it seems like every single generation is surprised by this. That even though, you know, when you're, you're growing up and you heard older people going, man, the older I get, the, the years just keep going faster and faster and faster. And you're like, yeah, right. But then it starts to happen to us and we're surprised. All of a sudden, a month goes by, a year goes by, decades go by, and we're like, what happened to life? So again, realize that life is short. You are here one day and gone the next. And this is why in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, we're encouraged with this. Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. We have got to see each day as a gift. That it's like we have this, this business. And, and our business, what, what we have in inventory is, is time. So we've got to be wise about our inventory because our inventory is running out. And so we've got to maximize our inventory. Not waste any of it. Get the most of every single day that you've been given. Time is short. So here's what I want to say to you. If you're here this morning, you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, realize that this is the most, uh, let, me, let me rephrase, this is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life, is to have a relationship with Him. This is the one decision in life you cannot procrastinate on. Because you don't know when death is coming for you. You don't know the day or hour that Jesus may return. And so the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't want to wait on this one. You want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die right this very moment, that you would spend eternity with God in heaven. Well, let me say this to you. That is not something that you can do for yourself. You can never be good enough to make your way into heaven. Because, see, the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all messed up. Here's the good news. This is what the Bible's all about. You, you want to know the, the Reader's Digest version of the Bible? Here it is. God loved you so much that he himself came and took on human flesh and blood in the person we call Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that you could never live, and then he died on a cross, shedding his blood so that your sins could be forgiven. See, it's not about what you can do to get to heaven. It's about what's already been done for you. And Jesus says, if you will humbly ask for my forgiveness of your sins, I'll forgive you. I'll give you a brand new life. I'll give you a fresh start. And so again, that, that's a thing you don't want to procrastinate on. And for those of you that have already made that decision, here's something else you don't want to procrastinate on. Telling your friends that good news. Please don't get to heaven and look around and realize that you have family members or friends that aren't there because you said, someday I'm going to share my faith with them. Again, this is the thing that you don't want to someday I'm going to do this because we don't know when they're going to die or when Jesus may return. Are they going to be ready or not? And so again, this is so important. We need to start a relationship with Jesus ourselves. We need to share our relationship with Jesus with others because time is short. Don't procrastinate. So, Sum it all up here today. What is the definition of procrastination? That we need to do what? What needs to be done when it needs to be done. Pretty sure God, through His Holy Spirit, spoke to every single one of you today about something in your life that you haven't been doing that you need to do. What is the next step that you're going to take today to start to rectify that situation? Whatever it is, I pray that you be obedient to His voice.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you as we uh, celebrate this Labor Day weekend that's all about work and being busy, that we're able to take a look at the times that we get lazy and, and we're not busy. And uh, Lord, I, I just thank you for the wisdom that's found in your word. And Lord, I, again, I'm sure that your spirit has been speaking to every single person here this morning, that there's some area of our life that we know is not right, that we know the good that we ought to do, but we haven't been doing it. And God, your word says that that's sin. So help us to repent right now of that sin, to turn from that sin, and to, to know that by the end of today, we're going to start to make that right by doing whatever it is that you're calling us to do. Maybe it's making a phone call to somebody. Maybe it's, it's uh, an email, or, or maybe it's working on a project, or, or it's you know, visiting someone that we've been putting off. Maybe it is sharing our faith with someone. God, whatever it is, again, give us the courage, give us the power and the strength to do that, even if it's scary. Help us to be wise, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you in every single thing that we say, every single thing that we do. Every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. I mentioned to you just a couple moments ago that the most important thing you can do in life is to start a relationship with Jesus, a relationship where he forgives you of your sin and, and makes a way available for you so that you can go to heaven and spend eternity with him. So, you know, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be the leader of your life, and you would like me to pray for you, uh, could you just uh, raise your hand up here this morning so I can see it? Yep. All right, thank you. Anyone else? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I, I need you. I need your touch. I need your forgiveness. I need your leadership. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die today, I would spend eternity with you. Anybody else here this morning? If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, Gilbert, uh, I have been putting off talking to a family member. I've been putting off talking to a, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker about my relationship with Jesus, and I know I need to do it, especially in light of the fact that we're getting ready to have our big grand opening in October here at Expedition. I need to be inviting people in. If there's somebody that you know that you've been putting off uh, talking to, could you raise up your hand here this morning? Yep, yep, yep. God, for those that have raised their hand here this morning, I just pray that you would give them the courage and the confidence to share their faith. Lord, I, I pray that that three-open prayer that we've talked about in the past, that God, you would, you would start to open up the hearts of the people that they need to talk to. God, help to open up opportunities to actually then share their faith or, or open up opportunities to invite people to church. And then, Lord, for our, the people here that have raised their hand, I pray that you give them the courage to open up their mouth and say whatever it is that you've laid on their heart. Jesus, you do give us that promise that when we're going to speak on your behalf, that you are going to give us the words to speak. So we don't have to worry about not having all the right things to say or what if they ask me a question I don't know how to answer. Jesus, you said you will give us those things. So give us the courage to do it. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place. You are awesome, as we sang about earlier. Continue to use us to make a difference for your kingdom. Help us not to procrastinate in doing the things that need to be done when they need to be done. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.